All right, let's just jump right in here. I'm going to give you a quick disclaimer as people are heading back in. I trust you've got all the popcorn that you can handle. If not, it's your fault. Let me read to you one of our, one of our core values here at the church. We value engaging communication. Those two words, engaging communication. And expect the clear, relevant presentation of Scripture to speak life to a dying culture. Here's why that's important. Because it's easy to get caught up in the method and miss the message. So for the next month, um, there's going to be a lot of movie clips, y'all. Because I believe that stories are powerful. And, and I don't know if you've noticed this. You can tell somebody something, and they'll be like, uh, what? But you can show them that in a story or in a movie, and they get it, right? So we, we love to take these movies and show clips from them and tie them back to the message of the gospel. The movie is not the most important thing we're going to talk about. Just making sure you know that. The movie is simply the method to unlock our hearts to receive his message. Okay? Make sense? Okay, great. Me and you. Awesome. So exciting. I don't feel awkward at all. Um, we're going to watch it. We're going to watch clips this morning from a movie called Apollo 13. Just out of curiosity, there are no wrong answers. How many of you have never seen Apollo 13? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have? Raise your hand. Anybody hearing about it for the first time right now? <laughs> a few people are like, I don't think it's on Netflix. It might be. I don't even know. I have no idea if it's on Netflix or not. Um, Apollo 13 is a movie from the mid-1990s. We try to keep these movies current. <coughs> Wait, no. That didn't come out right. We try to keep these movies current. This one is not, right? So, um, but we, we couldn't pull off Top Gun Maverick, so we'll just roll with this. The reason we're showing this is because it's so amazing to me how a movie that was made... Somebody do the math real quick. 1995, how long ago was that? Almost, almost 30. 27. Love having teachers in the house. That long ago is still relevant. Which, by the way, I'm not going to preach about this, but the clips we're going to watch and the way they tie into Scripture, you're going to walk away going, I'm amazed the movie that's 27 years old is still relevant. But yet we don't think, like, we should be amazed that the Bible is relevant, right? Like, the Bible is still, you ever read Scripture verses and go, did they just write this yesterday? Did they watch the news and write this? The Bible is relevant. So this morning, um, I've got four clips and five points. If you're a note taker, there'll be four clips, five points. Um, we're going to go through them quickly. There will be a lot of movie watching. Are you okay with this? Like anything to not hear you talk. I love it, right? So um, let's just jump right into the, the first clip. Let me set it up like this. Um, the, the way that this went down, when Apollo 13 took off, um, there was the launch. There was some stuff that happened, like normal stuff that happened. They were doing some, we'll talk some more about this in a minute. They were doing some broadcast back to earth. And at, at some point, all that was over, and they just started doing some routine stuff. And that's where we're going to pick up the clip. Go ahead and roll that. All right, first point. We're going to talk about tension a lot. Tension. Here's your first point. Tension is present in every mission. Y'all know that we're on a mission as a church, right? As the church. We know what the mission is as the church. 
God, Jesus said, I'm sending you into all the world to make disciples. He sent us with the power of the Holy Spirit so we could be his witnesses at home, like in the counties next to us, and then all the way to the ends of the earth. That's the mission. And what I want you to understand about Apollo 13, it was the seventh scheduled manned mission. They were supposed to be the third mission that would land on the moon. This had already happened two times before. The whole, like, one step for man for man and one's I'm not totally messed that up didn't I I should have gone to school that that Neil Armstrong said that had already happened two missions earlier the point here is that it's hard to fathom back then but even on the seventh man mission trips to space had become routine so much so that when they when they did the broadcast back to earth where they showed the astronauts in the capsule and they were like playing music and kind of giving a tour to the, to the people that were watching about what space travel is all about. His wife and children, um, they were all sitting in at that command central watching that and looking at TV screens and recognizing that no networks were carrying the broadcast. Like there's a man in space, three men in space broadcasting back to the earth and the networks were not even carrying it. Why? Because it had become routine. They had lost the wonder of, holy cow, we're putting a man on the moon. All it took was two moon landings for people to forget what a marvel it was to put a man on the moon. Can I just challenge you with this? Has the mission of the church become routine? Have we lost the wonder of lost men and women coming to salvation through Jesus Christ? And when it becomes routine, what happens is we just kind of go into autopilot, right? And then in every mission, tension is present in every mission. And what happened for them was literally six minutes after that broadcast that nobody on earth watched. They were just doing a routine check. They were, they, he, he said, you heard him say, I, nothing, I just stirred the tanks. He flipped some switches to stir the oxygen in the tanks. Just It's what they did routinely. And when that happened, there's some insulation missing in the wiring. Something that small, y'all. Insulation in the wiring that caused a spark, that caused an explosion, that caused all the damage that almost didn't bring these people home. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15 says this, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards. Can I just tell you this? It almost always comes through small things. Just examine your life for a moment. What tension are you not paying attention to? And we do this all the time. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But how many of you right now are driving a car and your check engine light has been on for a while, right? And you're like, ah, it's just a check engine light. And it probably is just a check engine light. Like you're going to take it somewhere, they're going to hook it up and go, yeah, your gas cap's not on tight enough. But we've, we, we've come to ignore the warning signs. Tension is present in every mission. I want to tell you to pay attention to the tension especially in little things. So let's talk about what, what should we do whenever, whenever that tension arises. So you see them, and there's just like scrambling. And like some of y'all were like, what are those screens that they're staring at? 
right? Those are old computers. That's what those are, really old. And the dude that's like pushing his glasses up, he's like, that can't happen. They're all just like, what in the world is going on? We're going to pick it up um, with them trying to still kind of troubleshoot what's going on. Let's go ahead and show that second clip. Second point, when there's tension, tension requires seeking solutions, not simply stating problems. So what you see happening here is everybody starts to scramble, right? Um, if you just, we'll never be on a spaceship, right? But just think back a couple of years. Think about all the things that we've walked through as a culture the last few years. Have you not seen people panic and begin to scramble and lose their minds? And all they end up doing is saying, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And when tension shows up in a mission, and it will, somebody needs to step up and say, shh. Y'all, let's just work the problem. Tell me what's working. Don't tell me what's not working. Whenever there's tension, we have to seek solutions, not simply state problems. We have to silence the noise, remove the distractions. There has to be, there is always a time to examine the problem. But at some point, we have to do what we know. I've said this so many times throughout the years. It's just one, it's the best question I've ever heard an interviewer ask a person being interviewed when Michael Jackson turned 30 years old. That's a long time ago. Oprah Winfrey, when she was still young, she turned to him in an interview and she said, Michael, you're 30 years old. What do you know for sure? That's a good question. Let me ask you this, church. Everything's going crazy all around you. The mission has a problem. What do you know for sure? And in those moments when, when disaster happens, when there's a crisis, y'all, we've got to simplify things. Moses knew this. He saw this in Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 16. Let me just read this to you. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, he's talking to God, you've been telling me lead these people, but you haven't let me know whom you're going to send with me. As a pastor, I can relate to that, right? You're telling me to lead these people. Who exactly will that be? You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. This is Moses telling God what God has already told Moses. If you're pleased with me, then teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Just make sure you're, you're hanging out with me, right? Mo Moses is saying, "Is God, you've told me to lead people. You've told me that you love me. You've told me these very clear statements, but I just got questions. Like, I don't even know who I'm supposed to lead. And you tell me that I've got favor with you, but you're not showing me anything. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? This is the key verse. What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? Moses said this, look, things are crazy. People are scrambling. Everybody's screaming, and I just need to remove the distractions and silence the noise. And remember this, the one thing I know is that your presence sets us apart from every people on the planet. We're not going to be fixed and solved and helped because of a political action. We're going to find strength and help in the presence of God. I can say that for us at the gathering, how that played out is we knew we couldn't do a lot of things through a pandemic, but we sure could pray. And so that's what we did. Well, when are you going to start doing this thing and that thing and that other thing and all those other 500 things that we could be doing? I don't know. 
But I guess while we're in prayer, God will tell us. Because one thing I know is his presence will mark us. His presence will mark us. And we have to have people like that man that will just simply say, stop telling me what's wrong and tell me what still works. And I'm telling you, church, prayer still works. His presence still works. Let's move into the third clip. Let's just make sure we're, we're, make sure we're still with me. There's tension present in every mission. Something's going to go wrong, almost guarantee it. Tension requires that we seek solutions, not simply state problems. And then here's your third point. We'll watch it get played out in just a second. Tension presents unique opportunities. I love this next clip. Let's roll number three. All the engineers in the house were like, this is our moment, right? Uh, are y'all still with me? You still good? How many of you are still trying to figure out how Woody got on a spaceship? <laughs> Some of you are like, I thought that was fantastic. I'm thankful for the five people that just gave me that nice laugh. Tension presents unique opportunities. Listen, I love that he said, you're going to have to figure out how to make a square peg fit into a round hole. How many of you have recognized that tension creates problems for sure, but it's a unique opportunity. We have to think inside the box. I love that phrase. You'll go to a leadership training and they'll tell you, think outside the box, which is great. Except you can't actually do anything outside the box that you're in. You're in the place where you are. So let's start to think creatively inside that box. The boundaries that we've been given, let's figure out how God can move in that place. I, I was um, watching a couple swaddled babies this morning, right? And I was thinking about how like, we recognize now that babies like to know where the edges are. And then we grow up and we're like, I want to do whatever I want. It doesn't work that way. Like, God's put you where you are. You're in the place that you are. And we can dream all day long about if I had and if I had that and this and that other thing, then I would be able to do all these other things. But you don't have those things. And there's something about tension and crisis that forces us to stop and realize this is what we have to work with. And that's what we need to make it do. And all of us in that moment, except for the smart engineers in the room, will feel like that's impossible. And that's exactly why God wants us to be in that place. Because Luke chapter 1 verse 37 says that nothing will be impossible with God. I want to make sure that you know the context of that statement because that's a huge statement. It doesn't say that all things are possible for you. Although that's what we like to do in our coffee cup theology culture. What it says is that nothing's impossible for him. And he said that to a scared teenage girl who said, gulp, wait, what? How am I going to give birth when I'm still a virgin? And his answer through the angel was, that nothing will be impossible with God. And so in that place where we're like, God, we got to pull off something that we don't even know how we can do that. He's just asking us, will you partner with me? Will you allow me to step into your box and do something that you could never pull off? Spoiler alert, by the way, they figured that problem out. And so when we pick this up later in the movie, they're still breathing because they figured out the carbon monoxide problem. They figured out how to make a square peg work into a round hole. They figured that out. Smarter people than the, than the, than the people in the problem figured out another way. And I'm telling you, there's a different perspective than the one that we have when we're in the crisis. 
That's why we partner with God in prayer, because in prayer, he gives us wisdom. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit tells us of things that are still to come. Man, if you're not a praying Christian, you are missing your whole reason for existing as a believer. It's to stay in his presence, to abide with him, to attach yourself to the vine so that he can give you what you need as a branch. Here's um, point four. I don't have a, a clip for it, but I'll just quickly describe. Um, you've already seen how crazy things get, and, and you've maybe heard, if you've seen the movie, you've seen the scene where the, the leader steps in and says that failure is not an option. Everybody's giving all kinds of input, and I want you to write this down. Tension demands teamwork. Tension demands teamwork. We can't afford to just walk away when things get hard. We have to stay engaged so that we can be part of the solution. I don't want to ruin the movie for those of you who haven't seen it, but there is a third, a fourth astronaut who was originally supposed to be on the flight. And his name was Ken Mattingly. And he was scrubbed from the flight at the last minute because they thought he was sick. And he kept telling the doctors, I'm not. I am fine. I'm not sick. And they were like, we don't feel good about you being up in space. So they pulled him from the flight. They put in another person as, an, as a substitute. And so he watches the launch from his car, and he's mad about it, which he's disappointed the whole deal. But as soon as they had a problem, he was the one that they called. And they put him in the simulator on Earth and had him figure out how they could accomplish things up in space and what order to turn things on so they wouldn't blow the spaceship up. He was a huge part of getting these men back to earth. Let me ask you this question. If we stay offended, who dies? That's, that's deep, y'all. When we get our feelings hurt and we take our ball and go home, and then there's a need and we're not willing to come back hum humbly and step into that place and say, you know what, I don't understand the plan and I could be really mad at you doctors for not letting me go, but I recognize that I might not like it, but I'm here for a reason, put me in the simulator. And he worked day and night around the clock, failed numerous times to figure out a way to help those men get back home. If we stay offended, we will miss our moment. And I would say it's a moment that God has uniquely positioned us for. We've got to have each member of the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 15 through 18. Let me read it to you quickly, and then we'll move to the last clip. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not then cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them. Turn to the person next to you. Look at them. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true about them. He has placed every one of them just as he wanted them to be. God did not just pick up a bunch of stuff and go, wherever it lands, it'll work out. How many of you would build a house that way? No. He intentionally picked you up and put you right where you're supposed to be. It's not an accident that you're sitting in the chair you're in right now. 
It's not an accident, you guys on YouTube that stumbled on this later this week. That's not an accident. He's positioning you right where he wants you to be in the body. And I don't know what part of the body you are. I am an armpit. I don't know about you. <laughs> Find your place, right? But be who you are, where you are, because we need you. Last clip in just a minute. Let me set it up this way. Um, they go through the whole deal. They figure out how to hopefully get them home. And what you're going to hear them talk about, and this is the longest clip of all, so just eat a lot of popcorn during it. Um, you're going to hear them talk about this, this blackout window. And so whenever they would have reentry, they would come into the atmosphere, and there was always a, a moment, uh, it was three minutes long, three minutes when there was radio silence, and you just didn't know. And so that's what they're going to talk a lot about, and we're going to watch it all the way through to the end. And here's what I want you to know. Um, tension, here's your fifth point. Tension sets the stage for God to step onto. Think about this. We don't like to go through tension personally, but don't you pay attention when other people do? It's crazy, isn't it? It's like, that's why, like, if you've ever been um, in a, in like a, a metropolitan area and you're driving and suddenly there's a lot of traffic, and you're like, what in the world? Why is there traffic at two in the afternoon? It's because a mile ahead of you, somebody's on the side of the road and everybody's doing this. Hmm. Right? And nobody calling to get help. They're just checking it out. Sometimes you're looking at it going, is that my car? <laughs> is, that, is that my kid's car? I mean, like we, we lean into tension. Now, here's what I want you to remember. I told you at the very beginning, this was basically the first ignored space mission. Nobody watched all the interactions coming from the, the, the capsule to, to Earth through the broadcast until an explosion happened. And this, this particular mission got more engagement from Earth through TV and media than any mission NASA has ever flown except for the first time they landed on the moon. And it was a failure. This mission was a failure because they didn't make it to the moon. And it was the most watched failure NASA has ever had to that point. Why? Because when there's a disaster, a crisis, a tension in our lives, it gets the attention of other people as well. Like, I don't want to put pressure on you, but the, when, the, when the world went crazy, guess where the world looked? Let's see how the church handles this. I would say that the, the world was disappointed in our first response. I don't think they have to be disappointed in our next one. Because I think the tension that we feel, they feel as well. And they're looking to see how it plays out. Settle in. This one's about seven minutes long, but I think you'll like it. Let's go ahead and roll that last one. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 5. But I, declares the Lord, will be a wall of fire to her on all sides. And I will be her glory in her midst. When disaster strikes, chaos comes. There's no way around it, y'all. There are moments when we are alone and we can't hear people and they can't hear us. 
there is a blackout, and we don't know if we'll make it or not. And the promise, just like we saw, is that the heat shield will hold. And your heat shield is the Holy Spirit. The Lord himself promised, I will be a wall of fire to her, you, on all sides. What I love about that promise in Zechariah is that scholars will say, yeah, that was for Jerusalem, but it wasn't just for Jerusalem because a few verses earlier, the the angel said to him, go and tell the prophet that Jerusalem will have no walls. That there will be so many people in Jerusalem that they will not be able to contain the number of people with walls. It was more than just a physical Jerusalem. It's about spiritual Jerusalem. It's about his people, his church, who are uncontainable. And when we grow and there's no longer any way to be protected by walls, he said that he would be a fire to us, to you guys that are standing in positions of chaos and disaster, to you that are waiting on a promise from God to be to be revealed and redeemed are you waiting on him to come through you're in that place where you can't even hear the promises that you've been told before i'm telling you the holy spirit has you the heat shield has you you are protected and you will come through to those of you who are waiting you're waiting for others to come through it's a hard place to be It's a place where we stand and we recognize this. There's not a single thing that we can do now but wait and trust the Lord. We've done all that we can do on the front end, right? We've helped them prepare the track to come back in, to re-enter. But at some point, all we can do is trust. And I'm telling you, those of you that are waiting on other people to come through that place, the Holy Spirit has them. He has them. He is their heat shield, and he will bring them home. This morning, here's how I want us to close. I want us to pray. Can we have some praying music, whatever that sounds like? And while the band is coming, let me tell you a couple more things. Number one, these are just sub points. The longer the delay the greater the display. That's a tension thing, right? Do you know that they estimated that over 100 million people around the world tuned in at some point to the reentry and splashdown? 100 million. They said that there were 40 million Americans that watched it from the beginning it started until the very end. They were glued to their TVs. And, and when the three minutes were up, And we heard all that like, it's been four minutes. I think it went almost to seven minutes. So that's three minutes longer than any blackout had ever lasted. How hard do you think people were leaning into their TVs for those three minutes? Listen, it's awful to experience the delay, but I'm telling you, the longer the delay, the greater the display for the Lord. I've told you this before, that when we walked through the valley of the shadow of death with my mom and my brother, I would have people come up to us, and I've heard testimonies from people here as well. People would just walk up and say stuff like, I've watched you for the last year, 
and I've seen God's faithfulness in your life. I'm telling you, nobody likes the delay. Nobody likes the messy middle. Nobody likes waiting. But the longer that delay takes, the greater amount of eyes watch God come through. And this just is practical, y'all. I don't have anything to back it up except just my life. God's timeline is almost always longer than ours, isn't it? Have you noticed that to be true? It's almost always longer. And I think the reason why it's longer, he's not punishing us. He's positioning us. And that's hard to receive when you're the one waiting. But he's positioning us so that people can see him come through. Now, it's hard to transition from movie clips and stuffing your face with popcorn to prayer, right? I recognize that. But I believe that this is such a powerful truth that some of us in the room need to be prayed for. And so what I'd like to do is just spend the last few moments just asking you to respond. If you are in a place where you need to be surrounded and know that you're surrounded by the heat shield of the Holy Spirit, listen, I want to pray that over you. And I'm just going to ask you to respond just by standing where you are. Thank you. Just, just stand right where you are. We won't come get your credit card, nothing like that. We're just going to pray for you, right? We're just going to pray. It's never to single people out. But listen, my heart all week long as I've watched these clips, uh, it's, I can't even watch them without crying. Because I want you to know, I, I have, not only have I been there, I am there, y'all. I am there. I am waiting. I am trusting. We are, we are in this together. The situations are very different. But the emotion, the feeling is not. And I refuse for us to be a church where we come and put on a good face and smile and go home. Like, let's be a body, right? Because here's the thing. We need each one of you that have stood. We need you. The kingdom, the body here needs you. You have a part to play. And so God wants to support us, right? It's, it's not, we don't, we're not just winning because you went on a mission. We want you back from the mission, right? We want to see you home again and whole and healed. We want to see the people that we're believing for home again and whole and healed. And so, church, I'm going to ask you to be the church. And if you're near a person who's standing and you know them, would you just put your hand on their shoulder? And let's just be the body for a second and pray. I love this song that's playing because if we're honest, can it feel like the breath got knocked out of us? And he gives us breath again. So, Lord, I just pray right now over those that have stood. I love the story that we just watched. And it's a, it's a phenomenal story about 
an, literally a globe uniting to watch three men return who should have died. And all I could think about as I was watching that capsule in the fire is that there's another one in the fire. You're in this with us, God. Not, not, you're not just like outside of it on the earth trying to like pull all the right strings to make it work out. You're with us. Like you're in the capsule with those that have stood right now. And I pray that they would sense the presence with them right now. Unless you go with us, we don't want to go up from here. It is your presence that will mark us and distinguish us from all others on the earth. And I just pray that marking right now on those that have stood, whether it's for something that they're passing through and they're in a place where they can't even really hear you, but that they would just hold on and know that you are a wall of fire on every side for them right now. I pray for those that have stood, who are, who are on the outside, who are waiting in silence, praying and hoping that what you promised will happen. And I pray that you would give us, God, an extra measure of faith to know that you have the people that we love. You've not been caught off guard by a, a, a tension or chaos or disaster. You have them. And your Holy Spirit is guarding them as they re-enter. And finally, God, I pray over our church. God, I'm so thankful that we are in America. I'm so thankful that we are in a place where we have freedoms. And God, I pray that in that place, you would fill us with the courage to have a voice as well. And that we would speak boldly about a God who wraps his church in fire and leads and guides her through chaos in such a way that others who are watching see the glory of our God. We don't want to panic in the blackout, God. We want to trust that everything we've done and you've led us through to that point has set us up to come through. God, I want to see a world cheer for your glory like we watch those men and women cheer. When you come through, God, may they see it's always been about you.